Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you are socialized as a woman. Around here, we're all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist confidence coach, and you've got episode number 19. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Hannah Ross, a pelvic floor physiotherapist who's a longtime friend and colleague of mine. Today, we're going to talk all about what to do when you're peeing your pants and so much more. We're going to talk about what is a pelvic floor and what are the five main functions, how to know if something is not functioning optimally and what those symptoms would look like, how our nervous system regulation affects our physiology, and is there ever a point where it's too late to get help with your pelvic floor, and of course, so many other juicy tidbits. Before I share our interview, I want to offer Hannah's professional bio. Hana Ross is a passionate performance coach, women's and pelvic health advocate, and the host of the She Has the Audacity podcast and a mother of four kids. She is the clinic director and pelvic health physiotherapist at Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness, a women's health and pelvic health physiotherapy clinic in Midtown Toronto. Hana is a sought after educator and teacher and regularly speaks about pelvic health, perinatal preparation, and the realities of parenthood, and loves to empower clients to take the lead in their health and lifestyle. Hannah is a champion for high-achieving women to move past their perfectionist tendencies in order to bend their own rules, connect to their why, and achieve the life and health of their dreams. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Hannah. Anna, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive into this. Yes, all things pelvic floor. So good. So I've already read your bio in the introduction, but could you tell us a little bit about how you got into doing this work? Sure. Um, I got into this work because I needed it. Um, I was a, I am a physiotherapist. I was like, I was a physiotherapist in the past life. No, still currently a physiotherapist, um, physical therapist for our U.S. listeners. Um, and I'm a mother of four. So in between baby number two and baby number three, um, I was working as an orthopedic physio, helping people with their back pain and their neck pain and sports injuries. And I was really, I had really bought into the concept of like getting your body back postpartum. And I was like, my worth is my body. Um, Come a long way since then, but um, I was really into um, these workout videos and I was training for a marathon at the same time. And I don't know if anybody remembers P90X. Um, it was a, they were DVDs that you ordered and um, they had an, every day you were supposed to do an exercise. And one of the videos was plyometrics. And so uh, one of the moves that you were supposed to do was a rock star jump, a rock star jump is when you embody being a rock star and you strum your guitar with one hand, hold your guitar with the other hand and jump up and kick your feet to your bum. And I peed my pants. And I was like, well, that was weird. I must've just had to go to the bathroom really badly. But no, every time I tried to do this move, every time I did this video, I peed my pants. I also was having really bad back pain and hip pain and pain with sex. 
And uh, a friend of mine who I worked with, uh, my co- a colleague, she was telling me about uh, this training she was getting into doing pelvic floor physiotherapy. And I was like, you're putting your fingers where? Like, absolutely not. And she kept telling me that um, my symptoms, my pain when I was jumping and pain with sex that was actually treatable. Um, all I had to do is come and see her and she would do an internal vaginal assessment on me and um, she would really help me. And I was like, get your fingers away from me. You are not coming anywhere near me. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. And I'm going to see her. She changed my life. And I, like, I really went to see her believing that there was something wrong with me. There was something wrong with my body. I was feeling everybody else could get their body back except for me. What was wrong with me? And what I gained from working with a pelvic floor physio and then becoming a pelvic floor physio was just understanding that women's bodies go go through so much. People who are pregnant, their bodies go through more changes in their lifetime than somebody who has never been pregnant or has male genitalia and male form. And those there's more changes in those 10 months than anybody else will experience in their entire life. I did that four times. Um, and so it's not a matter of us needing to be fixed or anything being wrong, but it's actually a requirement that we need support. And we used to get tons of support. We weren't up um, after having babies, working out, jumping up and down and you know, driving our kids to school and cooking dinner and, 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 and. And so I recognized that there was this need for support in and around this time. And the further and further I got into this area, the more I realized that it's not just pregnancy and postpartum where we need support, but actually most of our research on everything in healthcare was done on male bodies, bodies of people who identified as males. And um, women were kind of out of the picture at that point. And so we really are only learning, like we didn't know that a woman's heart attack symptoms were different than than men's until like what, like five, 10 years ago, that we really just need more support through our lives. A lot of the things that we take for granted as just being part of, you know, what do we expect is actually an area that we can support and we can feel amazing in our bodies and live fulfilling lives at the same time. Oh, I love that so much. You are speaking in my language. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Amazing. So I think that, you know, compared to our mother's generation and our grandmother's generation, for example, I think that the whole education piece where we're understanding that being pregnant and giving birth, regardless of how you give birth, is a trauma of sort. It is an injury of sort to the body. And so doing rehab or some kind of healing program after where you, you know, try to get things back to as close to their original version as possible. Maybe better. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, And I think for our mother's generation, that was just like, hee hee, their little secret where they, you know, they pee their pants when they jump too high. But our generation is more about no, no, that doesn't have to be a part of life. And we're learning more and more about that. And I think it becomes more consistently a part of the conversation post birth. But I'm also starting to see a lot of these needs for continued care of this area, 
later in life as your hormones change and your tissues change and your body changes and your bone density changes and all this happens during the perimenopausal transition. So that's my long way of asking you, how would somebody know if they needed to seek help from a pelvic health focused physiotherapist in that time, what would that look like? So good. So good. So let's talk about what the pelvic floor is, because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, And then we can start to, from the idea of like what the role of those muscles are, we can start to discuss how do we know if they're not working? So The pelvic floor is a group of muscles that literally sit at the base of your pelvis. So if you're sitting down right now, you're sitting on your pelvic floor muscles. They connect at the front of the pelvis to like your, to your pubic symphysis, which is where right under that's, that's the bones and the, the connecting uh, between the two sides of the pelvis right underneath your mons pubis. So right underneath where like your hair would start um, on the vulva, the pelvic floor muscles go all the way to the back to your coccyx, which is your tailbone. And for reference, that's the top of your bum crack and side to side from one sits bone to another. So ideally we're sitting on our sits bones. We're not sitting slumped in a chair. And if you're sitting on your sits bones, you are sitting on your pelvic floor muscles. Okay. Let me just adjust my posture. So I'm <laughs> sitting on I'm my- judging you right now, yes. everybody. Okay. Oh, that feels much better. I'm good to go. All right. Please continue. Thank you. So these muscles, there's three layers. There's an outer layer, a middle layer, and a deep layer. And if you have a vagina- you have three orifices within those three layers of muscles. So your vagina is actually made up of muscles, as is your rectum, as is your urethra, where your pee comes out of. So these three layers of muscles have five jobs. Job number one is sphincteric. So that's the job we always think about. Um, There's sphincter muscles around your urethra, where your pee comes out of, and around your anus, where your feces come out of. And If these muscles aren't doing their jobs, you're going to leak pee, you're going to leak stool, you're going to leak gas. You might wipe your bum a couple of times and notice like, why am I not getting clean? You might find that you like you're peeing all the time. I, with a lot of the women that I work with who have, um, I tend to work with people with more than one child, just by virtue of the fact of having more than one child, they tend to be attracted to me and they have what I call Costco syndrome, which is they go to Costco. Um, they know they're going and they're like, okay, I'm going to be there for a while. So I'm going to go pee. And then they try to find their keys. They can't find their keys. They spend some time finding their keys and they're like, mm, I wasted some time. I'm going to go pee again. And then they go to find their purse and they, they pee 17 times just in case because they don't want to have to pee while they're at Costco. And I use this because the idea of having a full cart and having to go pee because you have to pee so often is so distressing to my clients that they pee so many times ahead of time. And that's urinary frequency or urgency, thinking that you have, you're have you going from zero to 100. Like, like, I think I have to pee right now. And then maybe, maybe not making it to the washroom. Those are all signs that this particular role of the pelvic floor isn't necessarily um, being done so well. I thought it was in English, but we're not meeting the needs with this particular role of the pelvic floor. <laughs> Job number two is sexual function. Now, the muscles of the pelvic floor, they're muscles like any other. So they should contract and they should relax. If your muscles are working well, you'll have healthy sexual function. You will orgasm. You will have no discomfort. You will feel when you are having um, a sexual encounter. You will have sensation, not just with penetration, but any any sexual encounter. If your muscles are, are weak, 
if they're what most people think are floppy, you won't be able to orgasm and you'll have lack of sensation. If these muscles are actually on too much, which is counter to what everybody thinks, but it happens to be what we find most people right now are experiencing. If they're on all the time, take your hand, make a fist, squeeze it tight, and then think about trying to put something inside that fist. That is what many people are experiencing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for demonstrating, Michelle. Um, When they're having penetrative intercourse, but a muscle that is on when what happens when you orgasm is actually your pelvic floor muscles contract multiple times. But if they're already contracted, it's really hard to orgasm because they can't contract anymore. So any sort of sexual dysfunction, any changes in your um, in your desire, if if you're noticing that you're nervous to have a sexual encounter because you think it's going to be uncomfortable, sometimes it's because of um, changes hormonally where like you're drier and things, those, those pieces. But if you're anticipating pain or discomfort, you're actually going to go into a protective mode, which is to contract further your pelvic floor. It's going to make it more uncomfortable to have that sexual encounter. You're going to get into a catch 22 where you're not going to be able to get aroused because you're anticipating pain, pain and arousal are on opposite sides of the spectrum for many people. Well, we're gonna we're gonna leave the people who enjoy pain with sex out of this conversation right now. That's a, that's a whole other podcast, okay? But <laughs> so good, important to mention, very important because we are sex positive around here. Some people yes. like a little pain with their pleasure. Yes, as long as it's pleasure, as long as it's pleasure and consensual. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, from a nervous system perspective, if you're anticipating pain or danger. Um, and we'll delve into this a little, a little bit, um, a little bit later. If your brain determines that that's dangerous, you're not going to get aroused. You're not going to, um, you're not going to lubricate in the same way. And after birth, many of the time, many of the time there's, after there's been that birth, we'll call it trauma, the brain anticipates danger. And if you've never dealt with that, or if we're starting to see changes with menopause where, um, our organs aren't being held in the same place and you're looking and you're seeing that things look different, your brain actually starts to map danger there as well. Um, and so this nervous system response creates more tension. And so sex starts to feel different. It's another sign that things aren't working well. Let's hop on to the third job of the pelvic floor, which is to hold up all of your organs. So inside your pelvic, inside your pelvis, we've got your bladder, your uterus, and your rectum. And they're held above by some ligaments, but they're held by below, below by your pelvic floor muscles. If those muscles are too weak to hold up those organs, or they're holding on for dear life and they're on all day, every day, and they're just so freaking tired that they cannot go anymore, we're actually st- we actually start to see a change in the, the, uh, in the organs. And they actually start to descend either down into the vagina or down into the rectum. So the bladder can fall backwards. The vagina, the uterus can fall down into the uh, and cervix into the vagina, or the rectum can fall forwards, and that's called pelvic organ prolapse. And it's very, very distressing for people. Um, after any sort of pregnancy and delivery, we do expect a slight amount of pelvic organ prolapse. And as pelvic physios, for as long as I've been practicing, we've actually stopped. We used to like 
mention it to people. And then it would send them into this, like, they would be so nervous about it. We've actually created, like, it's normal to have some dissent after being pregnant. You've that we're not going to get upset about that. And with pelvic floor physio, we can actually improve this by one degree. We can also start to point you to um, in the direction of different pieces that will help support these symptoms. Things like a, a pessary, which is something you insert into your vagina, um, call it a sports bra for the vagina. So good. Sport- <laughs> okay. I need to write that down. A pessary is a sports bra for the vagina. For the vagina. Okay. Right? There's been such a transition even within pelvic physio. We used to be like, if you have any symptoms, never do this, never do that. Now the question is, how can we do this? How can we help you live the life that you want to live? What sort of, what support do you need? Um, and so you'll know that you've got some form of prolapse generally with an internal assessment, but prolapse, you'll start to maybe feel some heaviness, or if you insert your fingers into your vagina, you'll start to feel maybe the walls feel different. Um um, often there's constipation or incomplete emptying um, because the walls of the rectum aren't as quite as tight. If they're a little bit looser, then some stool starts to get um, stuck. So as you're starting to notice some changes, it's really worthwhile to get um, assessed because often um, if you go through the traditional medical system at a certain degree of prolapse, they're going to send you for surgery. And our research says that you should be getting pelvic physio, even if you're going to get surgery, both before and after. And very often we can resolve the symptoms with pelvic physio alone. That's job number three. Okay. So job number two is I think super cool in my nerdy science um, brain, but um, you know, when you walk and you go flying, there was a time when we all used to fly all around the world and you'd, you'd see on the flights, people walking up and down the aisles um, to promote blood circulation and to pump blood through their veins to to prevent a thrombosis or a blood clot. Within our bodies, the heart's a very large muscle. It's very strong. It pumps out blood to your entire muscle, your entire body, sorry. There's no one muscle that sends the blood back to our heart. Every single muscle in our body contributes to pumping the blood through our veins back to our heart. And our veins have one-way valves. So as the veins course through a muscle, the muscle, if you contract your muscle, it squishes that vein, pushes the blood up and the blood just hangs out there in that one way valve until the next muscle comes along and pushes it further up towards the heart. There are two very uh, important sump pump muscles that have a little bit extra in our body and help pump. We call them our sump pump muscles that help push the blood a little bit further up um, in the chain back to the heart. And those are our calf muscles, which is why you see people walking around on flights and our pelvic floor muscles. So they could just be sitting in their in their uh, seats doing their pelvic floor contractions and relaxations. They never had to get up on the flight. Wow. I think you just blew my mind with that piece of information. <laughs> Next time I'm on a five-hour flight across the country, I'm just going to be like doing my pelvic floor tilts and my, moving the blueberry up the elevator. <laughs> the, I've clearly done pelvic floor physio before. <laughs> I mean, get up and walk around. It's it, That's just a healthy way to be. But yes, yes, of course. What we start to see is very often during pregnancy or people who have genetic predisposition to have varicose veins. Um, one of the ways that we can actually support that is by helping them learn to contract and relax their pelvic floors and their calf muscles to help movement of that blood through their bodies back to their heart so that it's not sitting and just distending in that within that valve, which is super fun for me. 
And last but not least, this is actually my favorite. You might not believe it because I've talked about all the other roles, but my favorite role of the pelvic floor is the stability, the core muscle function. So when you hear the word pelvic floor, the words pelvic floor, everybody right away thinks about a Kegel. And a Kegel is a pelvic floor activation. But we actually, as pelvic health physios, we do not recommend Kegels alone. It's like the equivalent of asking somebody to strengthen their their grip and just work on one finger alone. The pelvic floor muscles works together with a core group of muscles. It is a system. It's not a singular muscle. It works together with your breathing diaphragm. Your The breathing muscle is kind of an upside down U-shaped muscle, sits underneath your ribs, your innermost abdominal muscles, and your innermost back muscles. And they work as a system. So in a really well-functioning system, if you were to take a slow, gentle, diaphragmatic breath, your diaphragm would push down and your pelvic floor would relax down. And as you exhale, your diaphragm would spring back up and your pelvic floor would activate. I know. I just tried it right now and it worked. It works. It works. And your abdominal muscles in a well-functioning core system should actually release and distend on an inhale. And they should actually contract on an exhale. And when it's all working together, it creates a, it creates a pressure system in your abdominal cavity that is that is intact and works without releasing any energy. So, if we're releasing um, urine or gas, or you notice that you're gripping your abs all the time, or you're just trying to kegel and things aren't getting better, what we're probably doing is Number one, not working the system. It has these, we have to train these muscles with breath, with, with the rest of those muscles. Number two is we're probably not spending enough time releasing those muscles in order to get an effective contraction because the pelvic floor muscles are like any other. If you would grip your teeth and you clench your teeth all day long and you never release them, you wouldn't be able to chew food, which is one of the rules of the jaw. So the core system has to be trained, not just the pelvic floor. Um, and that core system integrates with the GI system. It integrates with your cardiorespiratory system. It integrates with a whole bunch of different parts of our body. There's no one, you can't just treat the pelvic floor in a silo. And those are the jobs of the pelvic floor. And so if you're noticing you feel weak in your core, that's probably one of, you know, that's an indication that you probably should see a pelvic floor physio. Can you just give us a Coles notes list? And of course, everybody is going to have a different presentation of what this might look like, but what are some clear signs that people can look for to know that, okay, maybe I need to be looking toward my pelvic floor and my core system in order to potentially solve these issues. Awesome. You ready? Buckle up. I'm ready. Give it to me. (laughs) Leaking urine, feces, gas of any kind, even if you have a full bladder and you're jumping on a trampoline and your best friend says something funny and your kid pushes you from behind, you should never be leaking urine unless you're sitting on a toilet ready to go. Okay. So the pee shouldn't come out unless you want it to come out. Mm -hmm. Constipation, back pain or hip pain, pelvic heaviness, pain with sex, lack of sensation with sex. When I say sex, I mean any form of sexual activity that you choose to partake in. Weak abs. You notice that if you do a sit uh, sit up or a push up or a plank, 
that you start to notice coning, like your abs come forward in the center. Like they're not sort of gripping and bringing, coming down back into that like six pack formation. Hannah is making this triangle shape, this tent shape with her <laughs> hands right now on the screen. I don't know if you ever watched, uh, uh, if you ever watched The Simpsons, but I think about Mr. Burns whenever I do this. Oh, excellent. Yes. (laughs) We are showing our age. (laughs) But also like uh, an inability, pain, pain with, um, with periods, inability to insert a tampon, inability to sort of, you know, any form of menstrual cup. Um, If you're starting to notice dryness or changes in sensation in and around sexual activity, that could very well be pelvic health as well. Um, and the thing that when I say pelvic floor physio, I've got a beautiful group of practitioners who I refer to naturopathic doctors, dietitians, um, very often like uh, leaking stool is a, is a whole combination of like, is there like, is there a gut issue? And why can your muscles not pull that in? Any sort of thing that you think is part of of aging, the number one reason right now in Canada and Ontario, where we live, people are actually, I'm going to say put or um, that they live in a retirement um, or supportive nursing home is because of incontinence. It is not something that we should just think is part is, you know, something that is inevitable with age. It's really, really treatable. Um, And the number one thing that reason why we see pelvic floor issues is actually because of nervous system upregulation. Um, and so although they're not flashing lights, like this is something that you should worry about um, as a pelvic floor issue. If you're noticing that like you have a nervous bladder or you have a nervous uh, stomach and that's happening more and more and more often, often a sign like we know that when we were when we have our fight or flight when we're running away from a tiger or somebody cuts us off in traffic back in the day when we were running away from a tiger like actually it didn't make sense to like stop and sit and like move your bowels with the newspaper and just relax or have sex and orgasms right didn't make sure yeah to hop hop in the bushes with your with your honey didn't make sense and so what happens is your pelvic floor actually goes into a persistent contracted state and unless we take the time to train it to release and to give your nervous system capacity, more likely than not, we shouldn't be kegeling if you've got, if you have any of these symptoms, we need to learn how to relax the pelvic floor, how to release it to its neutral state and how to train the nervous system to have a little bit more capacity so that it's not constantly going into that contracted state. Got it. So what I'm hearing you say is that all of these symptoms could be related to muscle laxity, could be related to muscle tightness, could be related to your relationship of the core muscles to one another, could be related to a lot of different things. So what I'm hearing you say is that just saying, oh, I'm leaking urine, my muscles aren't tight enough, isn't necessarily going to be the case. And so I'm assuming that's why somebody would go and see a physiotherapist or a physical therapist to have that assessment, to get an individualized plan and how to treat that. Right. And likely say also saying like, oh, I'm aging. Of course, um, of course, I'm going to have a bladder lift surgery. Of course, 
sex doesn't feel good anymore because I'm going, I have these symptoms of perimenopause. Of course, I'm leaking because I'm getting older. That is not an of course. Those, all of that is treatable. It is not something that we just have to come to terms with as we age. That is not the truth. The truth is your body is really strong, really capable, and that these can actually be the best years of your life. And you can have the best sex of your life, whatever that looks like. But sometimes you need support the same way that we've all started to acknowledge that we need support during the perinatal period. That's so interesting. And I think that there's so many layers to that idea of people with uteruses and pelvic floors and vaginas um, and people socialized as women, even if they don't have vaginas, are often socialized in our culture to believe that we get to a certain age and we're no longer of value to society and therefore don't deserve good quality of life, don't deserve to be able to seek medical care if those resources are even available. And so it's kind of this snowball effect that starts to happen where, first of all, we're told that we shouldn't expect to be able to care for our bodies and live in optimal states. And second of all, the medicine and the research and all the things that go with it just aren't readily available to people. And if they are, they're definitely not talked about. So I like that idea of we don't have to settle and just accept that our bodies are going to deteriorate over time, that there actually are options for how people can live their best lives. And your body and your pleasure, it matters, not just as an item on the bottom of the list, but like it actually can, should and can be, I don't want to say shoulds, I hate that word. Um, it can be a priority because it, it, it creates the life that we're we're here to live. Um, something that we see a lot of in the perimenopausal period is that it's like that stage where you're starting to care for your parents, but you still have children to care for. If you have children, it's actually a really, really stressful time. And a lot of the symptoms that we see from a pelvic health perspective and hormonal perspective very often are often because of that nervous system upregulation because of where we're at in life. And we attribute it to being just our age, but it's actually the circumstances in and around us and how we're managing those circumstances that create that nervous system response, which causes the pelvic floor symptoms. That's so interesting. And it sounds like there's not only a physiological component, which obviously there is, but there's also a lot of how you're thinking about it. And that's really interesting to think about because I think that there's all of this research that's been coming out, especially in the last half decade, in terms of just how powerful our minds are to affect the way our bodies operate. I mean, you I've seen the I've seen this research and I forget the name of of the doctor who did the research. Um, but it was on this podcast called Hidden Brain that I listened to and I'll post the link in the show notes so people can check it out. But he was interviewing this doctor that did this research on how a person's perception of how they are moving their body actually affects their physiology. So they did this research where they had a whole bunch of women who worked as maids, as housekeeping in hotels. And so to the outside looking in, this job is obviously very physical. These women were doing you know, relatively difficult, hard physical labor, moving their bodies every day, all day in their jobs. But when they were asked in this research in the interview, do you exercise? Most of them said, no, I don't have time for that. I'm working all the time. And so 
they took these people's blood and looked at different markers of how their bodies were functioning. And then they actually took a group of them and did nothing. So they were kind of the, uh, the control group. And then they also took another group of them and told them, you know, your job is exercise and you're actually exercising all day. And just by being sent that message of no, what you're doing all day, every day for your job is exercise. Their cardiovascular health improved, their blood markers improved. It was incredible how just by shifting that mindset to how they were orienting themselves towards the same circumstances, the same set of circumstances actually vastly changed the way their bodies were functioning. I think that's, and again, I'll post that in the show notes if anybody wants to check out that research. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And we treat based on a biopsychosocial model of care, which recognizes the interplay between your biology, your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, your psychology, where your head is at, how you're thinking. Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you believing this is going to be effective? Are you not believing this is going to be effective? And social connections, like it's the social determinants of health and your support system are really, really important to your overall um, lens and your physiological health. And so um, we do talk about, like, we give affirmations to our clients. We have all over my clinic, we have affirmations written. Um, It's really important to help our clients recognize that they matter and that their experience matters, and that their symptoms are important, and they're treatable. And they're not, they don't define them. Because a lot of the time when we feel like we, you know, once we're past childbearing years, if that's how you valued yourself, there is, it's, a, it's like another existential crisis. It's an identity crisis at this time. And instead of looking at it as that was who I I am, and I am not that anymore. It's who do I who do I get to be now? Mm-hmm. And who you get to be, it's possible to live a life where you have great sex and orgasms, and you don't have back pain, and you don't leak urine. And what I find, clinically speaking, when I work with patients in my clinical context, is a lot of the time it's like, well, I've just accepted it because it's too late for me. How, what would you have to say to those people? It's never too late. In fact, when I became pelvic physio and I was um, training to support my postpartum experience after baby number four, I sent my mother, not to me, but to another physio who helped her rehab her abs after her four babies and, you know, 40 years later. So it's really never too late. So you're saying that even if you've had a baby four decades ago, Yes, you are. Once you are postpartum, you are always postpartum. Your body is always a body that has had a baby. And even if you haven't had babies and you're experiencing symptoms, those are treatable. Pelvic physio is not just for people who have babies. It's any every single human being has a pelvic floor. Amazing. That's. I think a lot of people for them that's going to be the key. Hmm. So if you could, if somebody was listening to this episode and was having a light bulb moment, like, oh, this is maybe what's going on in my body and maybe I can actually do something about it. What would be one piece of advice for somebody who's just kind of getting started? I would say that it would really be a value if you started to just make note of what your body is feeling and what your pelvic floor feels like 
um, we have a homunculus in our brain where every part of our body is uh, is mapped. And most people have ignored this part of their body. Um, most people think if they've had C-sections, they shouldn't have any pelvic floor symptoms. Well, we know that because it's a core system with a C-section, you just cut into a system from a different place. If you've never had a baby, but you've been socialized to think that this part of your body is shameful or there's something wrong with you, we actually start to la- lose that map. Like it becomes fuzzier in our brain. And so just starting to pay attention will actually help build that neural chemistry, that those, um, those connections. So we can actually start to train that area. If you're ignoring it, we can't train it. So start to pay attention to what are you feeling? How often are you peeing? What does it feel like to release pee for you? Are you pushing it out? Are you constipated? Are you feel, what are you feeling during sex? Is it something that you want to feel? Could it be better? We could work on that. Just start to pay attention. I love that so much. I know that so many people are going to go, okay, I need to see this person. So how can people find you? How can people follow you? Tell us all the things. Awesome. Um, so I am findable on um, Instagram at Hannah Ross PT. People are like, how do you spell Hannah? I'm going to spell it for you. Don't worry. C-H-A-N-A-R-O-S-S-P-T. Uh, my clinic is Vital Physiotherapy and Wellness. And uh, if you're in and around Toronto, Ontario, we provide both a virtual and in-person consults. And I can be found on my website, hannahross.com, C-H-A-N-A-R-O-S-S.com. And uh, there's links there for physio and for coaching. Amazing. And of course, I will make sure that I put all of those things in the show notes so people can just click them and find them easily. Hannah, thank you so much for coming here and sharing your wisdom and being so generous with your time. And I hope you can come back and talk about all things pelvic floor another time as well. I can't wait. Thanks for having me. This has been great. So that was my conversation with Hannah. I love her work and I'm so thankful that she came on the show to share her time and her knowledge. Please find and follow her. All of the info is in the show notes. I'll be back next week with another episode. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to a deeper level, let's work together. If you're a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person. Or if you want help managing your mind around the perimenopausal transition and supercharging your self-confidence and body image, I can help you anywhere in the world through coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecapler.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you.